Everybody get up, it's time to slam now. We got the real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us at milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at MichaelCBS4. Michael Spencer filling in for Mace today as he is taking a vacation from me. Also at Eric Goodman, if you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. And I'm telling you something, they're the only choice for wholesale lumber to the public. Go to a big box store. You're going to be paying retail. Rocky Mountain Forest Products, you are going to be paying wholesale. You're looking to build a deck. You're looking to build a fence. You're looking to do siding. Don't pay retail. Pay wholesale. And their lumber is all over the city. I mean, you've been in some of these places. I'm talking about Coors Field, Ball Arena. Empower Field, the Stanley Hotel. They are all over the place. Why not get the best lumber out there and do it at wholesale prices? Rocky Mountain Forest Products, you can find them in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. All right, let's go out to the hotline. I want to bring in Mike Singer. He's at Pepsi Center. I'm guessing uh, you are getting ready to enjoy your pregame meal. Is that right? Uh, I'm actually headed over there right now. I am not there yet, uh, right. but if you're headed over there, I will share a quick bite with you. I can't. I have to drive up to Arvada tonight, so I would love to be able to go. They only let special media members go, and clearly uh, Nick O'Hare doesn't feel I am that guy. So, you know, it is what it is. It is. Believe me, it'll be much more enjoyable having dinner without me than with me. Uh, I'm going to ask you to... <laughs> I'm gonna, I plead the fifth on all of <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to ask you to put on two hats. Uh, guy who covers the Nuggets every single day and a fan. How are you feeling about tonight's Game 3? Uh, I will answer it as wearing both hats. I think that they are ultimately going to win. This is a team that, uh, no matter what they have been up against, has seemingly found a way. Their season's on the line. You can't go down 3-0. I don't care what kind of historic comebacks you've done in the past. Uh, if they go down 3-0, that's curtains. Um, this team is clearly more talented uh, than the Nuggets are throughout the first two games. They have more talent in the aggregate. Uh, I just think that for the first time all season, Ball Arena is going to be packed to the brim, 18,000, 19,000 fans screaming for Nikola Jokic's pregame MVP ceremony. I think that they get it done uh, and live to tell another day, and maybe we can entertain a, an, an even series uh, going into game four. Mike, as Michael Spencer from CBS4, you're more optimistic about this game than I am and, and maybe about this series. Are we asking too much? Are we expecting too much out of Monte Morris and Austin Rivers? I mean, Monte obviously had huge games in Game 5 and Game 6, and now people are looking like, well, where has Monte Morris been through Games 1 and 2? He's 2 of 17 from the field. Austin Rivers not great either. What uh, What's your thought on what we've gotten from Monte and where maybe that – expectation realistically should be heading into the rest of the series uh yeah i, I think people are expecting too much uh, out of a backup uh point guard a rookie point guard and a guy who was sitting on his couch uh two months ago 
Uh, and I realize you can say the same thing when the Nuggets were facing Portland, also an elite backcourt in Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. The difference between the Portland Trailblazers and the Phoenix Suns is that Portland has the 29th best defense in the NBA. The Phoenix Suns are six. So uh, these undersized guards, these scrappy guards that the Nuggets are using, they're not finding the same themes. They're not uh, attacking with the same aggression. And, and, and frankly, you know, I've seen a lot of tentativeness from Monte Morris, from Austin Rivers. I've seen some ball stopping when the ball gets to Austin Rivers. Like, you, you know, you talk about cohesion and chemistry, and that's something the Nuggets have prided themselves on the past two or three years. It is evident that these starters have not played together um, when the offense is not working as it usually does. It doesn't funnel the ball through Nikola Jokic as often as it needs to. Uh, and let's just call a spade a spade. There is a giant talent disparity in the backcourt between Phoenix and Denver. Okay, I think I read a tweet that you put out earlier today. I decided not to block you during the playoffs. I think you said that there is not going to be any lineup changes. Did I read that correctly? You did read that correctly. I talked to somebody close to the team, and that is my expectation, kind of reading the tea leaves. I would be surprised they made a uh, made a lineup change going into game three, mostly because I don't know who you turn to. Like like Spencer just said, it's uh, Monte Morris, two of 17. Um, you know, who, who are you going to turn to? Shaq Harrison? Uh, you're going to put your Michael Green in the starting lineup? Like, they don't have a lot of great options to turn to. I think they just need better production from their starters. Okay, I'm going to break some news for you. Uh, I think I have five Twitter followers. I think you have about a couple of million, so you could put this out on your Twitter feed. Uh, I know somebody very close to the Michael Porter Jr. situation. Uh, He told me that Michael Porter Jr. is at about 90% heading into tonight's game. And then I said to him, what do you think that Porter Jr. was at going into game two? And he said 55%. So if that indeed is the case, that is great news for the Nuggets tonight. I'm not a math major, but jumping 35% in less than two days is pretty unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, the Nuggets, the Nuggets medical staff might have uh, cracked some new uh, new medical frontiers <laughs> if that's the case. Um, I mean, listen, if Michael Porter Jr. is is close to 100%, then they have a fighting chance in this series, not just in this game. But if he's not, if he's hovering around the 55, 60, 75% um, range, like they are in a lot of trouble. The, the most pressing issue for the Nuggets right now is secondary scoring. Who are you going to rely on? Will Barton's on a minutes restriction. He's not going to play more than 20 minutes tonight. Um, Aaron Gordon has not shown any kind of reliable offense outside of the paint. Austin Rivers and Monte and Faku, we already talked about. Is it going to come from Jamichael Green and Paul Millsap? Like, who is going to be the guy that gets you those, those points to kind of stay with Phoenix, who, again, in addition to a top six offense or top six defense, has a top six offense in the NBA too. So if Michael Porter's all right, I think that they're going to end up winning tonight. Um, and then again, we can talk about uh, some excitement going into Game Four. Uh, I will tell you something, Mike. The person who I have talked to, he's as close to this situation as you can get. He said ninety percent. All right, I all mean right. that is encouraging. Yep. Hey, Mike, you know, it came out during uh, game two, I believe it was Chris Haynes had the report that uh, I think it was Jamichael Green and and Aaron Gordon spoke up after game one, and then things kind of fell flat in game two, and then you reported that JaVale McGee addressed the team after game two. 
Is it fair to wonder if if there's some issues inside that locker room right now? And I know it's really hard because uh, we as reporters and you who cover the team on a daily basis haven't been able to be inside there. But is it fair to wonder if there is is maybe a rift or, or some miscommunication inside that locker room right now? Well, I don't know if it's a rift, but I do think that there's tension. And, um, you know, mostly the message that I heard uh, from, you know, those guys who, who did speak up in the postgame locker room, um, was just pleading for urgency, uh, just saying, guys, let's recognize this. This is the postseason. We, we took a lot of fight to the Portland Trailblazers. Where is that same level of, uh, you know, of urgency and aggressiveness against the Phoenix Suns? And the other thing that I would note, amongst those three guys that we just mentioned, Jermichael Green, Aaron Gordon, JaVale McGee, what's interesting about those three is that none of those guys were there last season. These are all newcomers to the team who feel comfortable enough to speak up, to say something, to get into people uh, and potentially make people uncomfortable. And frankly, you know, I think the Nuggets do need some of that. I think they need, uh, you know, kind of a guy to ruffle some feathers, um, you know, just kind of to jolt that locker room and to say and recognize the moment. Like, we are not that much worse than the Phoenix Suns that we should be getting blasted uh, on back-to-back games and having our coach call us embarrassing, soft, scared, and all of the above. And to me, Mike, that speaks to Jamal Murray, because I think normally Jamal would be that guy, right? And to me, when he went down, I said, look, he may not be the best player, but to me, he's the heart and soul of of that team. And he's the guy that can get into his teammates and say, hey, we need more of him. Am I right in that regard? A hundred percent. They do need Jamal Murray. Um, and I think he has been active on the sidelines. But you know, I was actually listening back to uh, Malone's postgame press conference after game two. And he said, not only did our starters not bring it, but our 12 guys on the bench didn't bring it. He said there was no juice, there was no competitive edge. And, like, anyone who saw Jamal Murray stalking up and down the (laughs) sidelines against the Portland Trailblazers knows that he has that capability. And, again, JaVale McGee, a three-time champion, barely played in this postseason, is coaching guys during the game. I'm watching it. He's, like, coaching Nikola Jokic one-on-one. So, Yes, they are losing a lot in not having uh, Jamal's voice. But, and so, again, some of these new guys, these new voices are having to step up, and maybe we're seeing a little bit of rift there, to, to use your guys' words, um, you know, when stuff hits the fans. Uh, one more thing before we cut you loose, because we know you want to dig into that salad bar over at uh, Ball Arena. Um, you've been around sports long enough, as has Michael and I. You know, as a coach, you can only trash your team so many times before it goes on deaf ears. Is Mike Malone, Mike, not Mike Malone, Don't Michael you dare Malone. call him Mike. Ma- not Mike Malone, Michael Malone. It's Mike Singer, Michael Malone, Michael Spencer. I'm surrounded by Mikes. Can you Michael only- Green, the- Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> Jermichael Green does not count because he spells it club. differently, and it's not Michael Porter Jr., it's MPJ. So just look, okay. c- come on, come on, Mike. Okay, apologies. Yeah. How many times can Michael Malone go to this well? I mean, it's a good question. You do run the risk of starting to uh, turn your team off uh, if you keep banging on him like this. But at the same time, um, he's not the only one doing it. So I think he has a little bit more runway. Uh, Jermichael Green and Aaron Gordon both using phrases like embarrassing, soft, and scared. So uh, at least there is some you know, accountability and acknowledgement from the players themselves. If it was just a one-way street, uh, that would not sit well, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, I think Malone is just hoping to light a fire. Like, these, those two first games 
were ugly in the second half. I cannot tell you how loud the arena was in Phoenix. And, you know, what's interesting is that is the first time the Nuggets have seen a full arena this, this year. 18, 19,000 Suns fans hungry from an 11-year postseason drought going crazy at every single Chris Paul crossover. Um, so the Nuggets are up against it. Uh, like I said before, they've responded well in the past. If they don't, Tonight, uh, I'll call it curtains, and then we can all go get a salad together. Okay, that sounds good. Soup and salad, that's a great place. I love their bacon bits. They are not imitation. Uh, we know that you believe that the Nuggets are going to win tonight. So, this series goes back to Phoenix, tied at 2 or 3-1? to one? Uh, I think I, I'm leaning through. I'll say this. I think we're a lot closer. I'll say we're a lot closer to a five-game series than a seven-game series, okay. as I predicted at the beginning of the year. That's a, we'll call those imitation bacon bits. There we go. <laughs> go enjoy your dinner. Look forward to reading your article tomorrow on DenverPost.com. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Have a good one, guys. You too. Coming up after the break, I can't believe we haven't talked to any Broncos, but don't worry. We are next. Third week of OTAs in the books. Next time they get together, it's going to be mandatory, which means Aaron Rodgers will clearly be there because it's mandatory. What have we learned about the Broncos that we didn't know before, before OTAs started? That's next.